I used to hire fast and I used to fire fast. Initially, I thought it's it's really cool. I could hire anyone whenever I want and I could fire anyone whenever I want. But I realized that it is taking me too much time. I had to spend so much of my time training new people again and again, again and again, which is taking my so much of my time, energy and effort. I also started hiring those people who could fit into my weaknesses. So uh, for an example, my my weakness was writing. So the first employee which I hired was a writer. And I started very slow. Then I gradually increased. So the last role which I hired for was marketing. Like I, I really enjoy marketing. I'm really good at marketing and all of these things. Welcome. I am your host, Dino Cattaneo, and you're listening to Authentic Leadership for Everyday People, the podcast where we investigate the connection between effective leadership and authenticity. If you're looking for inspirations and tips on how to become a better leader by being your true self, you're in the right place. Today's episode is the second of a two-parter, where we talk to entrepreneurs, leaders who are still in the middle of their journey. In the last episode, we talked to Matt Wiggler, a young musician and entrepreneur who started two businesses. In the first one, he helps hotels and luxury resorts book musicians and entertainers, and he serves hotels across the whole country. In the second one, he's a sales consultant to marketing agencies, and he helps them keep their sales and lead pipeline full. In the conversation, obviously, he talked to us about how we build a business, and also we had a very interesting exchange about the parallel between playing in a band, binding in a band, and working in a business team. Today's guest is Vikran Sharia, the founder and CEO of bestsellingbook.com. And as you can tell from the name of the business, Vikran found a very interesting niche. His company helps aspiring authors conceptualize, write, self-publish, and market books. Vikrant started his first business at 18, and he actually failed pretty quickly. We have a pretty candid conversation about the lessons that he learned through the failure of his first business and how he applied them in building his own business. We get very tactical in a very good way. Vikrant shares all the processes that he has put in place to build his team, to manage his team. You know, he scaled his business by himself from one person to now about 50 people. And he also talks about the self-reflection process that he went through to figure out the things that he liked to do and the activities and skills that he wanted to delegate to other people. And of course, I took advantage of the fact that he's an expert at helping authors publish to talk about his process and how you can conceptualize your own book. And what is really interesting is that his process is designed to do two things. On one hand, it makes sure that authors still retain their own personality and that they write books that are true to themselves. But on the other side, he helps balance that with the market needs and ultimately with the reader needs because at the end of the day, books are written for readers. So I hope you enjoyed this very insightful episode. And if you do, please leave a review, tell a few friends and, you know, and write about it in social media. Enjoy. Vikrant, welcome to Authentic Leadership for Everyday People. Thank you very much for joining us. And why don't you give us a quick background on who you are and what you do? Thank you so much, Dina, for having me here. It's really a pleasure. 
talking to you and really excited for our conversation today about authentic leadership. So me, like I'm the founder and CEO of bestsellingbook.com, where we help entrepreneurs and thought leaders turn their ideas into best-selling book, even if they don't have the time or skill set to write a book. And we do that with our done-for-you book writing, publishing, and marketing services. That is a very interesting business to to start. Like, why don't you tell me how did you come up with the idea and you know what led you to start this business? Sure. It's a very long story, but I'll try to be crisp over here. So everything started when I just graduated from my high school and my dad asked me, What do you want to become in your life? And I told him, just because all of my friends peers, they were taking admission in engineering colleges. So I told him that I want to become an engineer. I come from India. And in India, if you're not a doctor or engineer, people think that you are a big time failure. So that was also one of the reasons that I told him that I'll be an engineer. He thought that I'm very, very serious about my career. So he sold his land and got my admission in an engineering college in another city in India. So uh, now here I was in the capital of India, New Delhi, studying engineering. I was hating all the lectures. It were, all of those lectures were very theoretical. And of course, I was not at all liking it. Somehow, I was just going through the lectures. I was although enjoying the new social life, new friends, which I was making, but I was not at all liking the classes and the lectures. I discovered a self-help section in my college library, and I started reading so many books. And one fine day when I was in third semester, which was one and a half years in the college, I discovered this book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And uh, I read that book. And uh, the very same day, I decided to do something of my own. So uh, now, the very same day, I also dropped out of the college. I started looking for a business idea. I got a business idea. And then I needed some funds. Like I was still in my 18, like I was an 18-year-old kid. And so I took some loans from my friends, my relatives. And then I started a business and I made a bunch of mistakes over there. So one of the mistakes was I was 18. The very first week I hired, I guess, six to seven people in the company. And I was still not sure exactly what would be the exact business idea. So I was still figuring it out and all these things. So made a bunch of mistakes. Within six months, I completely ran out of money and I had to shut down that business. And here I was living in a single room apartment, not able to pay my rent, searching online on my broken laptop with a 2G internet speed about like how to make money online with zero investment because I had no money. <laughs> so uh, then I figured self-publishing. When I discovered self-publishing that, okay, so maybe I could write books and publish books and make some money out of it. So um, I started writing books, right? I had nothing to do at all. So I just kept on writing. And within 21 days, my book was completed. And uh, I wrote that book and I published that book. And the first month I made around $27. And uh, this was the first money I made online. It was kind of a very big deal for me. I still remember I was jumping on bed at 12 at night. And it was a very happy moment for me. I 
wrote another short book within three days and published that book. This time I also did some marketing. And this month I made around $440. It was like a very great experience because uh, this was 10 years ago, right? And uh, I was seeing a path that, okay, this is what I could do. From then, of course, I started helping people. Within one year, I launched several courses, programs, ebooks around how to write and publish a book in the international market. Maybe you have heard about JVZoo and Warrior Forums and Warrior Plus. So I launched so many different courses on these platforms. Did really well. I got thousands and thousands of students from there. Started offering my coaching programs as well. And uh, things started changing when some of these people, they started reaching out to me and asking me that, hey, like, your course is good, your program is good, but we really don't have the time to sit down and write the book. Can you do that thing for me? Can you write the book for us? So what I did is, um, honestly speaking, I'm not a good writer. Even the books which I write, like I outsource, right? So uh, I don't call myself a writer, but I'm really good at managing team. I'm really good at managing great talents of writers, editors, proofreaders. So I assemble a team of writers, editors, proofreaders, designers, marketers, right? All these different people. And I created this done for you publishing company. Of course, after nine or 10 years, like we have streamlined the entire process. It's very, it looks very easy. But initially, we started with just basic services, just the book writing, editing, proofreading. We used to publish that. So this is my journey. And this is how I started the company. So something that is really interesting to me, you said you're very confident in the way that you said, I'm not a good writer, but I'm really good at managing people. And, you know, the realization of what you're good at and what you're not good at, it's something that it takes people a lot of time to get to, but it seems like you got to it pretty quickly. When and how did you start to realize what were the things that you really loved about your work? the things that you were good at? So since the beginning, of course, even when I was writing my first book, I was not at all liking the process of writing the book. I was very good in the process of creating the outline. I was very good at creating what should, how exactly, what kind of content every chapter should include. But the actual writing process, I was hating it. So now when I look back, I see that my strengths were getting reflected in the initial days of my business as well. So in my initial books as well. So actually, I'm very good at systems. I'm very good at creating processes. I'm very good at seeing very complex things and making it very easy. I'm very good at visualization and managing team, also managing leaders. And of course, I have a process for that as well. But the thing is, what I've realized that I was not good at writing at all. I was not at all enjoying the process as well. So the thing is, for me, how I identify whether I'm good at it or not is whether I enjoy that thing or not. And how large is the company now? So currently we have around 35 to 40 people in payroll, like on payroll. And we have around thousands of writers, editors, and proofreaders in our pool of influence who work with us on the project basis, right? But still like in-house, we have around 35 to 40 people we are managing all of them virtually. As you scale this from one person to this very large team, what are some of the sort of critical decisions or critical philosophies that you use in the way that you manage people? 
So in my first business, one of the biggest mistake which I made, as I mentioned, was hiring people very quickly, right? I was not sure exactly what would be the job which I need to fulfill. And I started looking for people and talent and I started hiring them. And uh, this was also one of the reasons the company failed because uh, I had to now pay a bunch of money in the salaries. And then within six months, I completely ran out of money. I was also not very good at defining exactly what they will be doing. I was not at all good at setting up the right kind of expectation since the beginning. So these kind of things, this kind of mistakes, which I made in my initial company and in the new company, or I didn't intentionally created the company. Initially, I was a solopreneur. I was working as a one man company. But once people started reaching out to me, like I used to design my own website, I used to write my own sales pages, copies and create all the designs, creating the courses, everything from, and when I used to do, it was when I was in the information business, teaching people how to write and publish book. But when I did some transitioning to creating services, then when I got a new client, then I used to reach out to, initially I worked with just people on the project basis, right? I didn't go upfront with a, full-time employees because I was not sure whether I was able to sustain them or not. So this was one of the things. At the same time, I also made sure that I had the right kind of expectations set since the beginning. So we have a proper official contract, which they have to sign, which I have to sign. And it's clearly mentioned in to them that what exactly they will be doing since the beginning. And if they are not doing it, it is mentioned in the contract that we can uh, fire you on the very same day, within 24 hours. Or we can also deduct your salary if you're not performing on these KPIs or key performing indexes. So setting up the right kind of expectations, make sure that you don't have much conflicts in the later part, right? So uh, to make sure that you don't face these kind of problems, one also one more problem which I used to face in the beginning of the second company about was I used to hire fast and I used to fire fast. Initially, I thought it's really cool. I could hire anyone whenever I want and I could fire anyone whenever I want. But I realized that it is taking me too much time. I had to spend so much of my time training new people again and again, again and again, which is taking my so much of my time, energy and effort. So these kind of a small tweaks made my entire hiring, managing, and sustaining employees very, very efficient. Let me see if I can rephrase this. So it's basically setting the right expectation with your employees and then over time, maybe changing your process to instead than just firing people immediately when they fail to maybe process it in place to retrain them or you know adjust the, the expectations and, and make sure that they improve their performance. Would this be a good way to restate what you said? Yes, exactly. And uh, one more thing which I want to add. Initially, I also started hiring those people who could fit into my weaknesses. So uh, for example, my weakness was writing. So the first employee which I hired was a writer. And I started very slow. Then I gradually increased. So the last role which I hired for was marketing. Like I really enjoy marketing. 
I'm really good at marketing and all of these things. So this was also one of the reasons like the last person or maybe the last few people which I heard, they were for marketing or management of marketing. Initially, whenever you start hiring, I highly recommend that you start with having someone who could assemble into your weaknesses. So you have specific strengths. You should know what are your strengths, what are your weaknesses, and hire only those people like who could fulfill or their strengths are those skill sets, which are your weaknesses. So this really help. This is really helpful. Listening to you talk, something that I also find very interesting is like you're very self-aware, like, you know, you're what you like, what you don't like, what are your strengths or what are your weaknesses? Were you always this self-aware at 18 or is that something that has come along with experience and how has that happened? No, not at all. So uh, I was since I guess initially two or three months, two or three years, I would say, I was not at all aware about what I'm good at and what I really don't like and what are my weaknesses. And when my first business failed, then I also joined a business coach, right? So there was a business coach in my area and I used to take a bus and I used to go over there. So basically I was working with him as an employee and he offered me a salary and I refused that. I mentioned to him that I'm here just to learn. I'll be giving my 100%, but I just want to perform over here. So basically, I worked there for nine months, and it was kind of a new birth for me. Like in nine months, I had a second birth over there. because So there was kind of a seven to eight employees over there, and now I was there managing them. It was kind of a having a playground where I made a bunch of mistakes, learned so many things over there. In, the, in my 18, I was 18. And uh, so this, it was kind of a very helpful experience for me where I exactly got to know that what I am good at. So I was really good at questioning. I was really good at asking too many questions. I was really good at kind of a, I'm a logical person, practical person and all of these things. So I realized all of these things within the, these nine months, working on different projects, working with different team members. I'm not sure how many people could do that, but of course it was very difficult for me from the financial perspective, not taking any salary. And uh, this was also one of the reasons I was able to quit very quickly over there because I was not getting any salary. But I helped them a lot as well. But at the same time, I learned 100 times more than what I could get in terms of salaries. That's actually an interesting path. I want to go back to one thing. You know, you mentioned in your that you were doing everything yourself before you started bringing people on board. And how important do you think, even though you said you're really good at managing, how important do you think it is the fact that you actually spent a lot of time doing all the activities before you started growing your business and you had like this sort of direct hands-on experience? It is actually one of the most important thing which you should do, which you must do. Whenever you, if you are just starting out then for me, of course, it happened because I didn't have that much money to hire new employees. And of course, I had already burnt my hand in my first business, so I didn't want to make the mistake again. But the thing is, if you will be doing those things yourself, you will know everything about that specific department. And now if you will hire a new person, you will know exactly what you could expect from them. They can't lie to you. They can't say that, okay, this is going to take them seven days instead of just one day. 
they can't just mention they just can't tell you that okay like uh, this is very technical or this is going to be very tough or all these things because you know the ins and outs of all these things right and now you are hiring these new people now you are hiring these talents so and you could also define that what should be the salary you should give them depending on the energy depending on the effort depending on what revenue it is going to create for your business and how much time it will be saving you having a first hand experience doing all of those things before hiring new talents on those specific roles is going to save you for the future conflict as i mentioned you know obviously you have very good understanding of all the work that is taken so you have a very good understanding of the technical skills that are required but i'm curious in terms of like the personal traits what personal traits do you look for in the people that uh, you bring onto your business so one of the thing which i really look for is empathy so whether the person is really empathetic about this person or not so one of the question which i ask what you would be doing if you have all the money in your bank balance in the world so and these answers really help you understand what this person is maybe if the person mentioned like okay so i'll be spending time with my kids or families means they really value relationships right if they will say that they want to travel to the entire world like so every answers tell something about this person and one more thing which i do is of course there is a value based like i hire people on the value based i also hire people like i actually prefer working with them on trial on a paid trial for a week and one week is actually enough to identify it is not very long it is not very short and where you will exactly get to know on the basis of the talent and the skill set whether they are really able to perform or not whether they are fast learner or not it's also very important if they are then of course we can go with that at the same time if are they really good at different team member like we also ask feedback from other team member like how they are working with with you are they rude are they really good working with you so we really want to build that kind of a culture so these things really are important for me to hire new people in the company i love the idea that you are asking people in the company for their feedback on how they fit in what are other ways that you use to make sure that the company has the culture that you want the thing which i have realized is you can't micromanage everything if you want to take the business to the next level that's not at all possible for any leader at all so what you could do if it is possible you have to start focusing on creating carbon copies of yourself in the company or building leaders exactly like you and of course we have uh, five or six leaders in the company who are micromanaging all the different sub departments now if i were to maybe talk to all of these different peoples one by one every week or every month it's going to be very hectic for me and it's not very efficient so what they do is like they have a specific departments and they micromanage all of these things and i just have a biweekly call with just the leaders first of all on monday i have uh, there are currently five leaders who are managing different sub departments and i have a one on one call with them just half an hour call just to check like what are their goals for this week and i also have another call one and a half hour call with them on friday with all these leaders together 
and seeing like how we could help each other to perform. What were the things which they were not able to achieve these things? So to make sure that the culture is there in the company, when you are building leaders inside you, it is you don't have to do the micromanaging. At the same time, you are also making sure that the culture is there. The culture is impact. For us, the culture is way more important than the skill set. How fast they learn is way more important than the current skill set they have. So because skills like you could learn it very quickly, maybe you are good at some specific skill set, but still, even if you have basic skill set, you could learn so many things around those skills and you can upgrade your skills. But having a great value, having the right kind of a mindset is really important for the company. So this is how like I make sure these leaders make sure for me that whether they are doing it. And of course, there's a, maybe, you know, they also maintain a scorecard a monthly scorecard where they also take the employees' feedbacks and and then I basically review sometimes. So this is how like we also ask them the question like what are the things they are not liking about the company, how we could improve, what are your feedbacks, these kind of things. So it is really helpful in making sure that the value is intact in the company. That's great. So obviously since I have you here and you're an expert on helping people write books and I want to take advantage of it. What are the two or three most important things that people who would like to start a book need to think about? I would say not two or three, I would say four, four important things. Fabulous. <laughs> Great. So of course, one of the most important thing and in the one important thing, there are four sub-important things. So I'll be covering all of these things. So whenever people start writing a book and one of the reasons people are not able to complete the book is because they don't have a working book outline. Most of the people, they start with chapter one and then they start writing and then they get lost. They don't know what where to start, what to do next, what should be the next content. They completely miss all of these points. To make sure that this doesn't happen, they have to always start with the book outline. And in our company, whenever a new client comes, we create a book outline for them. And to create a book outline, we have a unique system which we follow in order to do that. We create a book outline quadrant before we create the book outline, the actual book outline. Now, what is the book outline quadrant? It consists of four different elements, right? What's your book idea? Why you are writing the book? Who is the target readers? And what is the hook of the book? It means how the book is different from other books in the market. Now, let's talk about all of these four things one by one. So what's your basic idea? Of course, you should always start with having... What's the main idea of the book? For example, maybe your book could be about leadership, right? So you know, like, this is the main idea. This is the basic idea of the book. The second is going to be like, how means why exactly you're writing the book, right? And this is really important for you to define. For example, maybe you want to establish your personal brand, right? Maybe you want to generate leads. Maybe you want to, you have some kind of a coaching program which you want to promote in the back end of the book. Maybe you want to promote your podcast. Whatever it is, you have to be very clear since the beginning that what is your why? Why exactly you want to start writing the book? Because this is going to define that how you want to craft the entire book. For example, if you have to establish your personal brand, then maybe you have to include more of your personal stories and experiences and so that you are there in each and every experience so that they could relate to you. And of course, you're building a brand. If you want to generate leads, right, uh, high quality leads from the book, 
then maybe you can give away something like a checklist or worksheet inside the book in exchange of the email address. And of course, you can build your email list from that. And then in the back end, you can also offer them your coaching program, your video courses, anything which you want. So defining your why is really important. This is the second element. The third is the target readers. It means who exactly is your target readers? So there could be maybe millions and millions of people like who are interested in leadership. But what is unique about your book and who are the people like who really want to have this? Maybe, for example, and you also have to ask these questions like what kind of a pain these people are facing because they haven't read your book yet? What kind of a challenges they are going through? What kind of a, a struggles they are going through? Maybe in the organization, maybe they are not able to manage their team. Maybe they are just starting out. So who exactly these people are? whether they are just starting out, whether they are in the business for maybe three or five years, or maybe they have a very big organization, or maybe what exactly it is, right? Then comes the hook of the book. And hook is also one of the most important things because maybe there could be thousands of books around this topic. But why your book? Why people should check out your book? For example, maybe your book could be about authentic leadership. Maybe your book could be about DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, right? Exactly what it is, what you could do is you can also check out maybe top 50 or top 100 books in the market, which are performing really well in your niche. It's really important. You can go there on Amazon. You can find those books. And there's a feature on Amazon called Look Inside. You can click on the cover. You can read a few pages of the book. Here, you can also find the table of content. You can exactly get to know what they are offering inside the book just by looking to the table of contents. You don't have to buy the book. And you can also check out the three-star reviews on these books. These reviews are really important because they tell you what are the pros of the book and what are the cons of the book. It means what they like and what they don't like. So what they don't like, you can include inside your book. So these are the four elements or these are the four important things whenever people start wanting to write a book, this is going to make the entire publishing journey very easy. It starts with the book writing because of course the book outline is important, but it covers everything, like the readers, uh, the hook of the book. It starts with the book writing and it, it ends with the marketing side as well. That's fascinating. And so obviously I have a question. This is a very deliberate process, you know, and some of the answers here are, are coming, if you will, from the market or from the outside. How do authors retain, you know, make sure that they're truly in the book? You know, the book truly reflects who they are versus what the market war wants. So uh, the thing we need to understand is we need to understand that we are writing this book for the readers. These are the people who will be reading the book and these will be people like who will whether like the book or whether they will hate the book, or whether they will just find it a normal book, another book. So the thing is you are writing the book for them, not yourself. But at the same time, you also have to make sure that your personality is intact inside the book. So the thing is you have to create a balance. So you have to give them, like, of course, what they say is uh, tell them what they want and give them what they need, right? So they want, for example, they want maybe a really successful business with the leadership, right? With having great relationship. So sell them a successful company using the book. But in actually, it is going to be all about like um, what exactly they need to, for, for doing that. So they need a proper understanding about how to understand their clients, what are their problems, and they also have to understand what are 
going to be what the team requires and how to manage them, all of these things. So offer that solution. So the thing is, you have to create a balance. Now, how to do that? So this four element actually makes sure that you are creating that balance. So for example, if you are writing about a leadership, writing a book about leadership, Mm -hmm. then the first thing is like you have to write about themselves. So the reader's side and the hook side actually covers that how you will be relating to them, right? And why exactly you are writing the book is going to make sure that your personality is there. For example, if your goal is to have your personality and of course have do the personal your personal branding as well, then make sure that you craft the book accordingly. Whether you hire a professional company or whether you write the book yourself, it's very important thing that your personality is there because sometimes what happens that if you hire a cheap ghostwriter, then they will write a book according to their vision, their thought process, their message, and their ideas. And then if people will be reading a book, they will feel like, okay, this is not the same person. Yeah. You know, it's interesting now as I think about it, it's like you start with your book and the process ensures that you put yourself in the book, but just the right amount of yourself and you also have an eye on the outside. So in some ways, the process is doing both the work of making sure that the book truly reflects who you are and that you're presenting yourself who you are in a way that it's interesting to the market. Is that a good way to say it? Yep, definitely. That's fabulous. Let's move on to sort of the more personal part of the podcast. Do you have any passion or hobbies outside of your work? Yes. Yeah, so three and a half years ago, I discovered martial arts and uh, kind of a crazy about that. In martial arts specifically, I'm doing Taekwondo. Due to lockdown, of course, like we are not that much like active in the... So, but initially we used to have like monthly tournaments where I used to perform, I used to go. It was kind of a very great feeling because initially whenever you go to ring, I could hear my heartbeat. (laughs) And uh, then of course, whether you lose, whether you win, you really enjoy the game. Like it's just a two minute game where you are fighting with another opponent. So yeah, like I, it is one of the things like which I really enjoy. How has that um, helped you or influenced your work, if at all? It has actually a lot. Actually, I have designed it in such a way that which is helping me make me 10 times more productive. Oh, wow. And I'll talk about it in a while. But five or six years ago, I figured out that waking up at maybe 5 a.m. or waking up early is one of the most important thing for me because whenever I wake up at 5 a.m., I'm able to complete most of my task. I feel like I have done so many things. And at the same time, I'm more productive. And uh, I also, like in the evening time, I spend some time with my family and all of these things. So I figured out that waking up at 5 a.m. is important for me. So what I did and how I used this martial arts or workout thing to waking up at 5 a.m. is uh, for two or three months, I used to do group training. I used to go to the camp, right? The academy, and I used to train where, with other people. But then what I did is hired, like I had a discussion with the martial arts coach and I asked him, I requested him to please come and visit my home at 5.30 a.m. in the morning to train me personally. Oh, wow. So now I don't have any other option. Even if I'm sleeping at maybe 1 a.m. or 2 a.m., 
I have to now wake up at 5 a.m. I don't have any excuse at all because he comes from maybe 10 miles to 20 miles or something. And then he's here. I have to be in the ground. So we have a really good ground in our society. And I perform martial arts over there. So, yep, it is really helping me becoming 10 times more productive than before. That's fabulous. Now, I have a question that I always ask on this show, and it is, is there a business cliche or an expression that people use that drives you crazy? Two things which are very cliche. (laughs) So the first one is, and of course, one is personal and one is going to be in the business side. The personal thing would be, I would say, time management, right? And uh, so basically... Of course, this is kind of a very overused thing like time management. Basically, you can't manage time. Time just have 24 hours, like, and of course, it just goes as it is. Like, you can't control the time. You can't manage the time. It is as it is, right? You can't manage the sun. Maybe you could go inside, inside the roof, roof or inside or go under the tree. So what you're doing is you're managing yourself. You're not managing the sun. So again, here as well, you are not managing the time. It is all about, it should be all about self-management, right? So you have to take care of self. And of course, for making sure that you are on time and whether you are able to do all of these things on the time, you have to manage yourself. And also managing yourself, let me define that. Managing yourself should be more about management of your energy, of your self-energy. Right. So basically, like whenever we wake up, like we have certain energy or willpower and uh, we have to control your senses. We have to know like exactly how to manage that. Maybe like walking out maybe for half an hour, one hour is going to really give you more energy. Eating the right kind of a food. Like I'm completely vegan. I just eat uh, fruits and I just eat 70 percent of my diet is completely raw. I don't eat packaged food, no smoking, no alcohol, nothing. Having all of these things, like make sure that. I control my energy every day. Like there's a watch over here, a smart band, like which every one and a half hours, it gives me a vibration and I have to do certain activities. Like, first of all, I do some kind of a stretching, right? Just for one minute, right? For 20 seconds, like I do some kind of a stretching. Then I just take two or three long breath and just give it a try for one day. And it actually, like, even if you are working at maybe 12 a.m. or 1 a.m., you will feel energized. Like every one hour or one and a half hour, if you'll do that, you will feel energized. Basically, what it is like if you are working on desk, maybe six hours or 10 hours, your body is going to shrink. Every one hour or two hours, like if you'll do this, then of course, it is going to help you maintain your energy. So, yep, this is the cliche in the personal productivity management or something. The time management, of course, I I don't believe in that. So now let's talk about the the business side. I would say whenever I work with new, I try to find new employees. And whenever they say that they're multitaskers, I never hire them. (laughs) (laughs) Again, I don't believe in the multitasking as well. So because you can't multitask, like you, you have to focus on one task at a time. And I have seen that like whenever I work on maybe having one hour or two hour uh, fully focused on one task, like you are able to perform more. It's the matter of prioritization. It's not about multitasking. Like you are doing 10 things at a time. You will be, so again, like there's a line in one of my favorite book, The One Thing, 
by Gedekar, it's it says that if you try to catch two rabbit, you end up catching none. These are the two business, one of the business cliche and the, the personal side cliche I, would, I just wanted to mention. They're fabulous and very insightful. So final question is, I call it food for the body or food for the soul. And just if you want to share either a recipe or a drink or a, you know, this would be the food for the body. Or if we go to the soul, a book, a piece of music, a movie, a piece of art or something that really moves you and nourishes you. For me, I've realized that spending time with my lovely wife really gives me more energy. I really feel happy spending time with her. I really enjoy talking to her. So actually, I, I'm with her like since the childhood. Like we used to study in the same class in my school days. So, uh, and somehow I convinced his, her parents and, uh, we are married now from the last three years now. So, so of course, like I, for me, spending time with my wife, with my family, with my friends, like I, I really enjoy that. That is fantastic. Bikran, thank you so much for spending time with me. This was a super insightful conversation. And thanks again for your time. Thank you so much, Dino. It was really, really great talking to you. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please leave a rating or a review. Tell a friend. Actually, tell a bunch of friends. And subscribe in whatever platform you are so that you will not miss any episode. And finally, post about the episode or the show in social media. If you like music, stick around, because at the end of the credits, I am going to share yet one more song by Susan Cattaneo, one of Boston's best Americana singer-songwriters. If you're interested in writing your own book, you can start at Rick Grant's website, bestsellingbook.com. Once again, that's bestsellingbook.com. And actually, he also has a free checklist to just get you started. And the checklist, you can find it at bestsellingbook.com backslash checklist you can find Vikrant on LinkedIn at uh, linkedin.com backslash in backslash Vikrant Sharia which is spelled V-I-K-R-A-N-T S-H-A-U-R-Y-A he's also on Instagram at uh, instagram.com backslash Vikrant.Sharia And we will have more links for all these other places where you can find him in the notes of the episode. You can find me online at al4ep.com, spelled with the number four. And you can email me at dino at al4ep.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, uh, following at al4edp.com, so with the letter D. And I am also on Facebook. Look for the show authentic leadership for everyday people this episode was produced by me dino cattaneo with additional edits by fullcast it was recorded remotely using squadcast.fm the theme music was composed produced and arranged by nicholas cattaneo who also played keyboards and drums with the help of tony savarino on guitar and jesse williamson bass finally the susan cattaneo song that we featured today is called watching the sparks fly see you soon July 
Barbecues bake the dust tonight. Trisha kicks a bottle cap down Pearl Street. With a wish and a sigh, she waves a sparkler around in the heat. Casting spells, light flickers in her eyes. Watching the sparkler. Sparks fly. Watching the sparks fly. 